Sci-Fi Podcast about. This is a podcast where we get together on a fortnightly basis and just talk about random things to see if we can figure out what our podcast is about. My name is Keith Ramsey, and as always, I am joined by Peter Akerley. Howdy! And Matthew Grace. Hello! So? <laughs> Sorry. You're already starting, Peter. I just started thinking about the meme we shared before we started recording. I'm sorry. Well, anyways, Space Jam 2 uh, information came out and a teaser trailer. I, part of me is really excited for this movie just because of how good Space Jam 1 was. Not was that, it, though? I say that recognizing that 95% of that sentence is fully fucking nostalgia. Uh, regardless, I'm really excited for Space Jam 2 just because I know it's going to be completely different because I don't have nostalgia for Space Jam 2 that I do have for Space Jam 1. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how closely it follows the beats of the first one. So what we got is that Don Cheadle is playing an evil computer AI named Algy Rhythm. Excellent. And he kidnaps someone's son. I'm not sure if it's the main character. Uh, LeBron, I think is... Uh, yeah, it, it might be LeBron James' son. Part of me is kind of hoping it's just Bugs Bunny's son and they just do the same thing where they kidnap a real world person to help solve their problems. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have to beat them in this basketball game to do something. Yep. Um, yeah, I'll be really interested because there's certain things like they had to have a ref to referee the fr- first basketball game, uh, at least in the first Space Jam. Uh, and they specifically got a ref who was both an alien and a toon. I'll be interested if they manage to find a ref for this one who's both a toon and an AI because I cannot think of a single toon that that fits the description of. So are they just going to have a fully fucking biased ref? Is that a thing they're going to do? Uh, or is it just going to be like a real guy is just the ref? Who has no ties to either why team? Why can't it just be a real guy? And really, that like it could have been a real guy in the first movie too because the humans yeah. had no stake in that except for we lose Bugs Bunny. I like the idea of it just being... Like, the Toons have this huge problem. They can't reveal, like, Toon kind to the real world. So they kidnap LeBron James to help solve their problem. And also just a random fucking ref from, like, a kid's Little League basketball game. <laughs> that or it's Bill Murray. No explanation. <laughs> they don't address it at all. It just is Bill Murray. He never left. They, they, don't even re- movie. they don't even refer to him as Bill Murray. It's just the ref. Well, I'm pretty sure he was just Bill Murray in the first movie. Yeah, he, he wasn't was, a character. Yeah, he, he was just playing Bill Murray. Bill Murray. But they don't refer to him as Bill Murray in the second one. They just... He's the right Wayne Knight. Yeah, Wayne Knight again. Oh, God. (sighs) I mean, they gotta bring Michael Jordan back in some capacity, right? But he's gotta at least be referenced. Maybe he'll be the ref. Maybe Bugs tries to kidnap Michael Jordan and he's like, just no. Just, just no. Enough of that. My arm's still stretched. I think that his arm went back to normal at the end. It wasn't like the end credits are rolling. We see his arm just waving across the screen. <laughs> Wayne Knight's still 2D in this universe. But yeah, uh, that's really kind of the big thing that came out. Uh, we got some uh, teaser information for Falcon Winter Soldier as well, I guess I should mention. Yeah. So speaking of Don Cheadle, he's also going to be in that in some capacity, but we don't know what. Probably just some sort of cameo, because it looks like there's going to be like a soldier funeral or something like that. Probably yeah. for uh, Captain America, that... He'll be at, because it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that he would still have... It's the kind of problem with the MCU right now, is anytime you have a story following two characters, you kind of have to address why other characters aren't there. And Falcon is, like, the perfect level of cameo, where, like, he's not such a big-name character in the MCU that, like, you're wondering why he isn't solving all the problems for the characters in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But he's big enough that, like, 
he seems related to the characters and it makes sense for him to make an appearance. Yep, so to what degree Rhodey will be in it, hard to say, but he will be, just like we have Baron Zemo's going to be in there returning. Uh, I'm actually quite excited for that one because we get like full purple mask Baron Zemo, not just like the kind of pseudo Baron Zemo we got from Civil War. I can't War. wait to get the purple mask origin story that we always want. <laughs> it's just, it, I want it to right be Right on like, par with Han Solo's gun and vest. Yeah, I want it to be that level of or- origin story where it's not like there's significance to it. It's just like he needed a fucking ski mask to hide his identity and the closest one was that purple one. <laughs> Or he actually broke out and he was at a ski resort and he had to hide his, like, presents from people. Just like, fuck! And he puts it on. Or, alternative, I want a whole episode of him just shopping through, like, a mountain climbing store until he finds the purple and he's like, you know, this is really my color. And then he puts that one on. (laughs) And then, uh, last, we also have Sharon Carter confirmed for being in the story. I'm curious to see how this spot lane's gonna go, because effectively Cap did dump her at the end of the last phase for her grandmother. Yeah. We also, I don't know that it's been confirmed, but the advertising does, like, very heavily suggest that U.S. Agent's gonna also be a pretty big part of the storyline. So I'm kind of thinking that they might have him present himself as, like, the next Captain America, and there's, like, some discussion amongst fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier about... Whether they should pass the shield on to him before they realize oh, I, that. I 100% believe he's going to be the, I'm the new Captain America. Oh yeah, and I just think it's going to be discussion amongst uh, Falcon Winter Soldier about whether or not they agree with that. And I think they're initially going to be on board with it, and then quickly come to realize that he's a terrible fit for the role. How much do you know about US Agent, Matt? Um, aside from the name, nothing. You know how Captain America's like, winners don't do drugs, even though he totally took drugs to become a winner? I'm assuming this guy is the opposite. He says winners need to do drugs. Oh. He's also much more of the let's murder a bunch of Vietnamese people in order to win the war kind of person. I see. The war that's over, by the way. <laughs> the war ended years ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> if we kill them all, then we won, historically speaking. That's pretty much US agent. Yeah. <laughs> Great fellow, I guess. What was there anything else you guys would like to go over before we get into the real topic? I really want to get into this because I want to know Matt's interpretation of the events, seeing as how he got to watch them kind of all at once rather than having to think about it for a week at a time between episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and that thing is being WandaVision. It's the thing that starts off phase four of the Marvel Universe. Starts off in black and white. Yes. This is very unexpected for a Marvel. Uh, also, fun part about that. It's technically the start of uh, phase four, but also if I'm not mistaken, takes place before Fire From Home, based on the timeline, because this takes place a couple weeks after Tony's funeral, whereas the fucking Fire From Home takes place, like, several months after Tony's funeral. Yeah, so the earliest scene we get in WandaVision is she goes to the sword base and ends up confronting Hayward and uh, the Vision's body. And that is phrased as being, like, a couple of days after Tony's funeral. Yeah. yeah. And then... I don't know how far that base is from where she goes in New Jersey to uh, Westview, but she pretty much goes right there to there, it seems. So yeah, it's not even two weeks after. But regardless, it's even if it chronologically ha- takes place before the end of Phase 3, it is officially the start of Phase 4. And you get a lot of fun Easter eggs of stuff to come. Now, one thing I think, before we even get into the story that I, I, I kind of want to address, because... Online, I've seen a lot of people have mixed reactions about how it ends and how they had expectations that didn't get fulfilled in it. And there's one thing I think everyone has to kind of remember. 
This was not supposed to be the jumping off pot for phase four. We were supposed to start with Black Widow. Yeah. Yeah. Then go into Falcon Winter Soldier, Eternals, and then this. This is supposed to be the fourth in the yeah. line of like kind of nothing. Like, because really the Disney Plus shows are more so the gaps between movies. Yeah. And not so much Their big setups. Own, yeah. Like a kind of this is happening and this is what's happening to the characters, but nothing major overall. Yeah, like the big thing about WandaVision uh, that for the universe itself is it sets her up as the full-on Scarlet Witch, but also sets up Monica Rambeau and the Darkhold, which are going to probably be big players moving forward. Yeah, I think that was one of the key things they wanted to cover with this is up until now, anytime Wanda Maximoff has appeared on screen, they haven't had the rights to call her Scarlet Witch or give her her full costume because of the fact that she was still technically mm. a Fox property. Uh, so this was the first thing they made where they had full access to those rights. So they got to go back and kind of correct the record and be like, no, you've been Scarlet Witch all along. It's just no one knew that's what the name was for what you were. Also, it's Chaos Magic. We can officially say out loud it's Chaos Magic now. <laughs> Darkhold is a new name to me, so I think we'll talk about that a little later. Oh yeah, we'll go over yeah, all so the details. Yes. Okay. We're not just jumping right to the end and then being done with our discussion. That's not how we do <laughs> the over. <laughs> I get the feeling that's going to answer some questions for me at the end, too. Uh, so this series had nine episodes. Uh, so in order, we have Film Before a Live Studio Audience, Do Not Touch That Dial, Now in Color, We Interrupt This Program, A Very Special a Episode, very special episode All New Halloween spook uh, Spooktabular? Yeah, Spooktabular. Yeah. Uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall, previously on, and then the series final. So it's really fun how they went about naming it because it kind of ties into, like, you know, some movie, not movie, TV tropes. And the whole premise of this is Wanda's in a pocket dimension that's based on sitcoms, and we're seeing them through the eras. Now, I don't know, uh, I'm assuming Peter knows this, but I don't know if Matt knows this, but when they filmed each era, they also used all the techniques and specific things for that era. Yes. So in the first episode, when you're hearing laughter, it's actual people on lot. In the audience laughing at the joke as it goes on. And I like how they uh, also changed the effects to... Uh... Oh. oh, as if they were using that ability. Yeah, the effects to her powers during that. Yeah, where it's clearly yeah. the, like the invisible wire that's using the, yeah. moving the saucer or the uh, red puff of smoke out of the floor for the dove or yeah. the uh, crane. Yeah. Uh, now, another cool thing to mention is now the series is finished, the director has also mentioned a few things about the series as well. And initially... The first three episodes were supposed to all go live at the same time. And when you think of it that way, it makes a lot more sense where the first three episodes are kind of dedicated to this is all a sitcom reality up to Monica getting booted out of it. And then that's when the uh, weekly episodes are supposed to start. Yeah, when they start addressing the fact that this isn't its own show, but it's a show within a show. Yeah, and that makes sense considering a little thing I noticed is that the first two episodes are both like 20 minutes each. And then the third episode is closer to 40 minutes. Yeah, and I think they realize that a lot of people are going to watch this because it is specifically in the Marvel Universe, and they have an expectation of what the Marvel Universe is. But at the same time, it being black and white sitcom for the first episodes, which are pretty much run-of-the-mill sitcom with like little things here and there, yeah. they realized they had kind of had a bunch of that together. But obviously, COVID happened. A lot of things kind of got mixed around. In fact, you might have also noticed that near the end of the series, some of the special effects didn't look as good, and some characters seemed to have disappeared. That's because by the time they got to that point of doing reshoots and touch-ups, a lot of things were delayed or couldn't be done because of everything going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first three episodes, you're run-of-the-mill uh, sitcom. The big things to mention are the dinner in the first episode, where we actually see kind of like 
the facade break for a moment when the guy's choking, and Vision ends up saving him. Uh, and we're introduced to pretty much the main players up until the babies are born. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about these main players. I think that's a good place to start mm. off. Where it's a sitcom rather than going episode by episode, because it has a lot of sitcom tropes in that, like, the world kind of develops over the course of it, but it's more so about the characters themselves. Yeah. I, I'll admit, I laughed too hard. It's probably some of these, like, really old sitcom jokes, like the part where uh, Dottie walks into the living room, and it's like, do these earrings make me look fat? Oh, and the yeah. power goes, and he's like, oh, thank God, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just lost it. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we have, uh, the two main ones. We have Wanda Maximoff, who does not go by Scarlet Witch at this point, so I'm not going to either. And then Vision, who is supposed to be dead, so that raises a few questions. We even get the little joke at the beginning of, my husband and his unbreakable skull, yeah, <laughs> yeah. unbreakable head. Just well, kind of getting rid of that, like, oh, never happened. Pretty sure your forehead was caved in. I also... Really enjoy, like, the subtle jokes they have amongst themselves about being superpowered. Like, they have, like, written on the wall just a heart, and they start, like, discussing, and Vision's like, oh, it's probably, like, some sort of shorthand for something or other. And Wanda's like, I can move things with my mind, and you can move the speed of light. We don't need shorthand. Why did we do it this way? It also kind of introduces a lot of the, kind of, a lot of the initial intrigue is actually introduced in the first episode, where, like, they address the fact that they don't fully understand when they how they got into yeah, that world. it just world. starts. And it just it. starts and they're not really familiar. And like, as a character, or as a person watching the show, you often feel like there is stuff that happened before this that led to this happening. But once you get later and into the series and find out exactly how this whole world started, you pretty much start watching right at the beginning. Like, you don't miss out on that much yeah. beforehand yeah. in the first episode. And the other cool thing about how they went about deciding it was sitcom as it went on is that also kind of exemplifies going because as most of you know, Wanda creates this whole thing in a moment of, like, just grief at the life that she's lost with Vision and ends up encapsulating this whole town with her hex. Yeah, because they originally were planning on uh, settling down together and living a life peacefully. Yeah, but so he... after finding out Vision's dead, she finds something he left for him, which was the plot of land he had bought for them to grow old together in and not bother wasting time here. <laughs> not get their head ripped open. Yeah. yeah. But uh, essentially what ends up happening is because they decided to go with this era through the era... Most TV shows back in the 50s, when uh, the era started in this show, would have had bare minimum one set, one camera, not a lot going on. And as the eras go on, they get more complicated, more things going on, which almost exemplifies what's going on with her powers in this, where she kind of this burst of power and almost forgets that what she's done everything. So she's even part of like the illusion herself. She doesn't know. Right. Yeah. And the world gets more flushed out as it's needed, expanding, and that's how the eras end up changing within it. Yeah, like, uh, a perfect example of this, to jump forward just a little bit, uh, I believe it's in episode four? No, it's episode five, on a very special episode. That's when Wanda and Vision start to have a lot of their, like, butting heads about the fact that Vision starts to realize Wanda created this world, or at least has some effect on it, and he starts to antagonize her. And he specifically makes a comment about where are all the kids, because their two kids exist, but no other kids exist as far mm -hmm. as they can tell. And then the very next fucking episode is the Halloween episode where there's just kids walking through the streets. And the moment there's an issue that needs to be addressed, it's addressed in the next fucking episode. Now, I like to think that those kids are just out on the outskirts walking those loops with those parents. That That's what they've been doing this whole time. 
That's one way to think about it. It's definitely the better way to think about it than the kids are locked in closets because they're not needed for the plot well, of the sitcom. I think it gets confirmed by... That is confirmed. Yeah, by Dottie yeah. specifically, yeah. or Sarah, as we find her name is, is actually that her kids, their children are all locked in their room. It's like, yeah. can you let my kid out of his room? He can be a friend of one of your kids, or even just the bully. Just yeah. please <laughs> let him out. If you like it. Uh, but a, a thing to mention here, too, is the first two episodes, the, I think the reason the illusion works so well is because Wanda also seems lost. And that, yeah. that's kind of like, through most of the series, even the viewers like, did Wanda really do this? Is she being controlled or something along those lines? But also, it kind of throws in that little, what if someone else is behind it? Because partway through each of the episodes, there's a kind of in-show advertisement that plays. And each advertisement has a little detail where the product is made by Hydra. And you're like, is Hydra behind it, this? Except the first one. The very first one is for a stark... Uh, Toaster. Right. Everyone after that has slight hints towards Hydra. Yeah, uh, but that's we also find out is just because I guess it's kind of confirmed, but it's her past that she's kind of just trivializing and moving past. Yeah. So obviously the first one with the toaster makes the same beeping sound as the yeah. Stark yeah. warhead. Uh, yeah. The watch is you know Strucker's going to make time for you. If she was in Hydra. Yeah. Then of course the uh, the soap kind of looks like one of the Infinity Stones. Looks like the Tesseract. Yeah. But at the same time, it's more so like. I guess a transformation is what's supposed to represent, uh, represent more so than the stone itself through yeah. uh, the infinity powers. And then we also get uh, the very creepy uh, the Logos. Oh, no, the Logos paper towels first. Oh, yes, Logos paper towel. <laughs> Where it's clearly just, that's you're cleaning up the blood with this paper towel. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the uh, hotel she explodes in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, not, not, not the, it's the building in Logos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Logos is the city where she blows up the hotel and yeah. kills a bunch of people. And then, of course, we get the, the uh, Yo Magic yogurt. Yeah. Where it's just a kid who can't open a yogurt container and thus dies. <laughs> Although, I must say, I think the 90s episode was probably my favorite. And that, <laughs> like, whoa, that took me back. Yeah. I I'm pretty sure I've seen a commercial just like this mm -hmm. for something. Yeah. This is also, that would also be the era where they decided the best way to advertise the Pokemon games. Putting all the Pokemon on a bus and crushing it. Right. <laughs> oh. That was a dark commercial. <laughs> a lot of those commercials were... The 90s was edgy. The 90s, they had to get your attention somehow. The way to get your attention was by killing people, mostly. And, and then I think a lot of people kind of figured out what was going on with the ads, because almost everyone that I watched that was, like, talking about it all called that the next one was going to be a pharmaceutical ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact it was Nexus, and it's like, <laughs> please only consult your doctor if they deem that it's worth moving forward in your life. May cause more depression. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oh, God. It almost feels like the people who were in charge of those commercials had nothing to do with the rest of the series. They were just like, do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, I just want you to make memes about Wanda's life in fucking the Marvel Universe. Have fun. So go ahead. All they had to do go off was essentially key points in Wanda's life. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people think that the pharmaceutical nexus thing is kind of like, uh, not so much her past, but like moving forward yeah, and accepting what's happened. Yeah. To expect. Uh, but a fun fact about this as well, the two actors that show up in all the ads actually had no idea what was going on with the series whatsoever because they never even were on that set. Oh my god. They were on a completely separate. separate set, just <laughs> filming ads, not understanding how it fits into the greater fucking show. Yeah. It would have been even better to tell them they weren't even doing anything for Marvel. Tell them they're just doing normal ads. <laughs> <laughs> and then they show, wait, wait this, is, this is a Marvel property. Why does this toaster say Stark on it? It's just starkly clean. <laughs> Why is it beeping like a bomb? Don't ask questions. 
Now, I think where the series actually starts picking up, I guess, would be episode three. Yes. When, yes. I know a lot of people... Well, not a lot of people. I was reading online from the opinions of lots of people, and a lot of people had trouble getting to the third episode, just because, especially with like stuff like the laugh track and a lot of those really old... Yeah, they, they were like tropes. spot for spot, like the jokes, the phrases, and everything yeah. was done. Like, you got to give a lot of like credit to Catherine Hahn, Paul Bettany, and Elizabeth Olsen because they did such a good job in this. Because they weren't at just you know changing up their characters and playing them in different ways, like in a sitcom, considering what they've been doing before. But they also were committing to each era as yeah. well mm-hmm. and pulling it off very well. But yes, I know the I know several people had a lot of trouble with this just because of the fact that like. If you don't think about the fact that it's advancing through the airs, it's very easy to get nervous and think that the whole show is going to be like those first two episodes. <laughs> now, now, I'll be honest. They do confirm in-universe that the episodes we're seeing are only parts of it, and apparently there's full seasons. That makes sense. Yeah. And I kind of want them to go back and do the full seasons. <laughs> so, I mean, even one of the characters, Darcy Lewis, said that she kind of wanted to be a character in the world. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to cameo, but not like this. Yeah. So, like, because to, to get into the timeline of things, because those first three episodes are very important for setting up the timeline. Yeah. Uh, we get the first really on-screen characters is, what, Catherine Hahn and Norm? Yes. So Agnes and Norm. And then in the second episode, when Wanda leaves her house, she sees the helicopter that's in color. <clears throat> it's the first time we see something in color in the show. Aside from the red beeping light on the Stark explosive tele- uh, toaster. Now, we find out later that that helicopter is actually the sword drone that Monica flew in. To try and scout out and see what was going on inside the hex. And then she immediately gets sucked in afterwards, and then she shows up at Dottie's party. In the episode two. But at the same time, when it shows Darcy watching, they notice her in an earlier scene that happened, I guess, before she was in there? I guess so. I don't... Huh. Yeah. Well, they also, like, Darcy also comments while watching the show that it's very clear that shit gets edited out of and into the show. So it could just be fucking Wanda rewriting the timeline a little bit for what's getting, or not necessarily Wanda intentionally doing it, but the chaos magic editing the timeline a little bit to have things flow more naturally in a TV sense. Yeah, like the scene where uh, Wanda and Vision are terrified of the noise outside, and when they finally go check and they see the beekeeper coming out of the sewers, <laughs> and Wanda's like, no, and then just rewinds everything. Yeah. yeah. Or in the 70s episode where it's just the cut. Yeah. Yeah, the hard cut. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, this is the 70s episode, the third episode, I think is where Wanda becomes aware of what's going on, though she doesn't remember. I'm pretty sure as soon as she has that confrontation with uh, Monica where she boots her out of the universe, that she's fully aware of that this is something she's controlling, yeah. not necessarily the people. Because I think she honestly believes she's not affecting the people that much, yeah. but realizes mm-hmm. that she is kind of afterwards. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. later in the series, she's it's absolutely brought to her attention how much of an impact she's having on the citizens of Westview, but... I don't think she is consciously aware, especially in those earlier episodes. Yeah, it's probably more she thinks this is a projection of something she wanted in her mind, and the people probably aren't even really real. Though apparently they're just experiencing her grief for her. Yes. Yeah. They also... We get some slightly weird bits, because none of the characters really address it as a TV show, except for whenever Vision does his little mind tap thing to wake them up from what's going on. Yeah. Then they start to become aware. 
we get our first little hint at the big twist coming later, which is uh, shortly after the twins are born in episode four, uh, we have Catherine Hans, Agnes, or is it Agnes? It's Agnes. And then it becomes Agatha later, right? Well, yes. technically she's Agatha Harkness the whole time. She yes, but to be Agnes. she just, I was trying to remember what she goes by at this point. Which, <laughs> that's only for the viewer, because if she would have shown up saying, I'm Agatha Harkness, Wanda's not going to be like, oh, the witch from the comics. Yeah. Uh, or maybe she would, I don't know. Regardless, Agnes shows up uh, and offers to take the kids, and Vision is very much opposed to this idea because they're in the middle of an argument. Uh, and then Agnes immediately is like, oh, do you want me to take that line again? Was that not what I was supposed to say? Which already kind of draws attention to the fact that Agnes is not like the other characters in the city because she fully acknowledges that she is playing a part mm. in the fucking town. Well, well, the beautiful thing about it is the fact that, uh, and Matt's not going to appreciate this because he, he only watched it once. Well, me and Peter being the chads we are, watched it twice. Uh, Agatha Harkness is really fun, like Catherine Hahn's character through the whole show, but on a second watch, she gets so much better because you're watching it knowing she's not actually part of any of this. And some of the lines she has, like, for example, when she's at Dottie's party, the one that made me laugh hard, like, really hard, like, it was kind of like a, ha, the first time, and then the second time, I lost it laughing, was when they're all talking about doing this for the children, and she just looks out, like, at the <laughs> camera and says, how does anyone do this sober? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's playing her part, and even when she has interaction with the mailman earlier, and he's like, don't shoot the messenger, and she's like, bang, bang, and he walks off, she looks and like, this is weird. Yes. <laughs> like, she, she's, you, when you watch it the second time, it's so clear from the beginning that she's not in this 100%. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it becomes clear, like, especially when you get to the final couple episodes, that Agnes has never been under, uh... Wanda? Wanda, thank you. Wanda's spell. Uh, she's fully just been playing along to try and get close to Wanda to figure out how Wanda did all this. And it's just the kind of thing where, like, watching it the first time, you don't realize all these little moments that are little tidbits of her being Agatha and not pretending to be Agnes. Yeah. And they just become so much better on your second watch. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, that, there's constant of that through the whole thing where she's, like, saying things or doing things. And it, when you watch it, it's like, oh, She's literally just trying to find out information because in the first episode she's asking Wanda all these questions. Yeah. Like, oh, are you with somebody? All that stuff. It's not because she's like the nosy neighbors or character is. It's because she's actually trying to figure out, you cast a shitload of magic. How did you do it? And she's trying to like yeah. suss it out. Are you with other magical casters who helped you pull this off? Nope. You're on your own. Okay. I'm confused now. Yeah. And then uh, even in uh, the third episode as well. Um, no, it wouldn't be the third episode. It would be the, uh, the fourth episode when the kids are born. She, she clearly switches gears of, okay, I've seen this person give birth to things that don't exist. And then she's actively searching her house. Like when she's got the kids and stuff and Wanda and Vision are having the aside. She's digging through things and she's clearly just looking for oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, do you have like brown liquor just like pulling through the fucking covers? It's like, not for me, for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and she just, she's act, so actively trying to like get into the house and do stuff constantly that she's like always helpful. To be fair, this is also at the time that Wanda has started to recognize that she is kind of in control of this world, which is why she stops trying to hide her magic. Yeah. <laughs> thinking that Agnes is fully, like, under her control and not realizing that Agnes is just pretending to be. And Vision's also gotten very suspicious of everything. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite moments when they're butting heads, though, is uh, Vision saying, you can't control me. And Wanda's like, oh yeah? And then the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be the end of episode four before we get the uh, big cameo appearance. So... I One guess of two big cameos, let's be honest. Uh, but I think this is probably 
one that I feel a lot of people were most upset with, and that is that Evan Peters appears playing Petro, uh, or Quicksilver. Well, I think the big issue that everyone had with this was Evan Peters was announced before the episode went live, and they were like, as a heads up, Evan Peters is going to be in the next episode, which started the theory cra- crafting, which is, I think, now is the point when I'm going to start talking about some of the fan theories that people had. Because that was a big part of it. Watching it week to week, having a week to think about what was just happening on the last episode. Especially with the way the show handled each episode, which was a small portion of the time is dedicated to answering questions from earlier episodes. A much larger portion of time is dedicated to creating more questions for you. standard sitcom. Yeah. Um, So, when Evan Peters was announced, people essentially had two thoughts. Well, there was two main theories. There was Evan Peters is going to be playing Quicksilver, not necessarily this one his brother just a quicksilver brought in from another realm or evan peters was going to be playing mephisto because that was the theory that everyone wanted to happen was this was all the host of m storyline and mephisto was going to have a very large appearance so just a brief recap on who mephisto is so mephisto is pretty much the marvel universe equivalent to the devil yeah and he uh, effectively wanda's kids aren't real in the comics either but they're mm-hmm. actually shards of Mephisto's souls or soul itself. Yeah. And he uses that as a way of trying to bridge into reality to pretty much rule the world. Okay. So, effectively, he absorbs the children into his hands and they become hand children. It's a really weird comic. Yeah. And that's the end of her kids until they come back through some multiverse shenanigans and form the Young Avengers. <laughs> All right. I'll now, a lot of people were expecting because it was so close to House of M and her children were a plot point. Everyone automatically assumed, oh, Mephisto is going to be involved, because that's what it is. Okay. But I think I was the only one thinking rationally about this, because, like, how do you even write that in, like, the MCU is very, like, dumbed-down, simplified, like, Marvel yeah. Universe? How do you do, like, the whole, these kids are actually part of the devil, and they stop existing, but then they exist again? Really just word around, like, if the kids come back and Mephisto's involved in any way, I don't think they're soul fragments. I think he's just going to have them trapped. Yeah. Uh, I think part of the big reason... People were thinking. Another one of the big reasons people were thinking of Mephisto is that one of like Agatha Harkness's like key character plot points throughout the comic books is she uh, agrees to help Scarlet Witch save her children from being reabsorbed by Mephisto, and then immediately betrays her and helps the children get reabsorbed into Mephisto. And so people are like, ah, oh, yes, this Agnes character is clearly going to be Agatha Harkness, which they were right about that one, and she's going to help Mephisto regain power and come into this world. And it didn't work out that way. Let's not forget the briefs did in the comics where if Wanda wasn't thinking about her children, they disappeared. <laughs> Just stopped existing. Yeah, because she had to yeah. physically manifest them with her own... Yeah, so if she stopped thinking about them any bit, they just disappeared. Yeah. Until she remembered, oh, I have kids. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was one of the big theories people were very disappointed in. They're kind of disappointed in both because it was neither. It was partially just that he was Petro... Her brother, but also... Pietro. P- sorry, Pietro, not Pietro. Pietro. Pietro, sure. Fake Pietro. <laughs> but much more importantly, he was just a guy named Boner, and that was who his character was. And people were not happy the with that. I, was, I actually really enjoyed how this went, because we, we as the audience, because this is very, like, meta fourth wall breaking. Unless we, the audience, had any chance of thinking, like, this could be a Quicksilver then her believing it's her brother doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Because obviously the big thing is it's the steps of grief she's going through to kind of get over everything, the grief she's gone through. And she believes, like, she's so much in grief that she's willing to, like, accept, like, this is Pietro, this is my brother. And if it was just some random person, we'd be like, well, that's not him. That's clearly going to be a twist. 
But because we had so much background knowledge and it was stunt casting, as sitcoms tend to do, we know that this man played a Quicksilver in another series. So part of like a good chunk of the audience, or even some people like that were doubtful on it, were like, but it could be another Quicksilver. And technically, technically, that door is still possibly open. Because one of the ways that people think that X-Men might get introduced into, or not X-Men, but mutants in general might get introduced into the MCU now that X-Men has been bought through Fox, is that possibly this Hex thing, because it was even addressed in one of the episodes that Monica constantly traveling back and forth through the barrier of the Hex, it was affecting her DNA. So potentially all the people in Westview who were trapped in the Hex for such a long time had their DNA edited. So it could still potentially be that this is the origin of different mutants. And because Agnes specifically gave Pietro, or Pietro, sorry, uh, super speed for a portion of it so he could fully play the role of Pietro, it's entirely possible that when his DNA got edited, that super speed just became a permanent part of him and he could still theoretically play a Quicksilver-like character in the MCU going forward. I think I would agree with that if it wasn't for the fact that it's already kind of implied that Monica was already different before she went in the first time, too. That is mm-hmm. entirely right. And the reason... There's a few things I actually wanted to bring up because of this. So let's kind of just go over to the Monica stuff for a moment. So when we see Monica outside with Jimmy Woo, it almost appears like she's the only one that can see the barrier, and he can't. Which might be a manifestation of her powers, because uh, she's able to do different ways yeah. of light and all that stuff. So her seeing the barrier, I think, could be an indication. Now, her eyes weren't glowing at this point, because I feel like she wasn't fully powered up. But it also seems like Jimmy does not see anything to do with the barrier at this point. Uh, yeah, He's I, aware of it, he can feel it, but he can't see it like she can. Uh, yeah, because mm-hmm. Monica Rambo has had a lot of different power sets over different iterations of the comic books. And they kind of teased at different ones over her kind of journey through this season. Uh, one of the ones that she seems to largely end up with is her ability to kind of perceive electromagnetic radiation as well as manipulate it in some way or another. She could also turn into every spectrum of light. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that hmm. the barrier of the hex involved some level of electromagnetic radiation and she could just actually see that whereas other characters couldn't. Yeah, and this happens after she's already gone in and out once already, but when she's trying to drive the vehicle into the barrier... It happens fast if you're not paying attention, but she rips the hood, like the, the hatch, off the top of the vehicle when she's getting out of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> so she had some powers of some aspect that because she wasn't surprised with the scan when she came out the second time and the blood work, and also kind of how she seems to have a bad history with Captain Marvel, and her mother died of cancer, I think we're going to see her origin story of how she kind of got to the point before powers activated in Captain Marvel 2, or have it addressed. I think most likely she doesn't get along with Carol Danvers, and this is speculating going forward, because Carol's done something that caused her mother to get the cancer, and it affected her as well, but instead of giving her cancer, it probably is, you know, it, it probably like that. It probably edited her DNA in some fashion, and it's just her mother was too old and couldn't adapt to it, and thus died of cancer. I do still think the Hex probably uh, at least awaken those powers. Oh yeah, I agree. Like, the Hex was the fully the thing that got her powers to the level it is at now. Yeah. Because, I guess in the same sense, if uh, Wanda, her magic powers are specifically mutant powers and not magic in a full sense, and it was the uh, Soul Stone, or no, the Mind Stone, the Mind Stone. specifically got her powers vamped up, well, that Hex is also made out of Mind Stone power, so maybe it could be that uh, the Infinity Stone's 
when they are in close proximity or come in contact with people with X genes that it just hyperpowers them, yeah. mm-hmm. up, right? Yeah, I because even thinking back, I I don't remember specifically looking for this detail, so I could be mistaken. But I don't think we actually see like the red barrier edge of the hex until after Monica's been kicked out. Like the first time when she goes there and is checking it out with Jimmy Woo, I don't think we see those barriers. No, until after she gets kicked back out. So it's entirely possible she was aware of them, but couldn't even fully visualize them until going through the barrier and then back out. Yeah, and it could be something as simple as maybe people with mutant powers have like a mild case of it. Yeah. And then we find out due to the three Thanos snaps that happened on Earth <laughs> that it just, you know, all that radiation activated X-genes. Yeah, that is entirely possible because we do already have evidence that being in close proximity to not even just Infinity Stones on themselves, but just power containers that hold some of the power of an Infinity Stone. Like how Captain Marvel got her power by shooting an engine that was powered by the uh, Space Stone. Not even like had the Tesseract in it, it just was powered by the Tesseract. Shooting that gave her her power, so it's entirely possible that just being in proximity to large amounts of that radiation from the Infinity Stones awakens the X-Genes, and that could just be how we start seeing more X-Men. If that is the explanation, and that's specifically what happened to Monica Rambeau, I insist on all the X-Men being children from this point onwards until they're aged up into the universe. Because ain't no way an old man survived getting a mutant powers yeah, no. awakened in him at, like, 50. Well, it could also be the concept of some people naturally mutated and we're keeping it secret. So that could explain there's been mutants here all along, but they're not like, oh, we want to be superheroes. We want to live a peaceful life and not, you know, have yeah. the government try to kill us. Like, and have the power to freeze the president of America still for an indeterminate amount of time from anywhere in the world. That's just a power we have because we're normal human beings. So I can see them trying to backspin, especially if they want to keep Magneto and Professor X's origin story. Because really, I feel like it's... You could probably rework Magneto, but I think him like being a Holocaust survivor... Is like a such large a character thing. driver yeah. for his personality. It's the main reason he's opposed to the Mutant Registration Act and all that stuff. Yeah. It's because he's seen what happens when that kind of stuff happens vis-a-vis the Nazis. Yeah, so I can see them trying to low-key say, like, oh, there's a few here historically, and try to work Professor X and Magneto in that way. And they just haven't gone to anything that's big scale or it's been not covered up correctly. And then because more mutants are waking up because of all these snaps, because it's pretty much... Hyper-speeding up the mutation. Then mutants have to kind of step into the forefront and be like, look, we exist... Fuck you. <laughs> We've been here since the 50s. Everyone relax. Because, like, I mean, I could be wrong, but wasn't the whole uh, process of awakening uh, Wanda and her brother's powers essentially an attempt to create artificial mutants? Uh, I believe Strucker called them miracles, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I think explicitly they didn't use the M word because yeah, they, of the fact did, that they, they didn't. Use they used another M word. Yeah. yeah. The Age of Miracles. Yeah. They didn't use the word, but I'm pretty sure he, he also, got the idea from something. Well, because what Strucker was trying to do, and funny enough, if you go back far enough in the uh, the Marvel Universe comic-wise, almost everything ties back to Captain America and the Weapons Project. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, that's... We're fucking going there now discussing it, because <laughs> he brought it up. That's how Hulk came a thing, is he was trying to recreate the Weapon X... Or not the Weapon X, he was trying to recreate Superman's thing... Not Superman. Fuck. <laughs> Captain America's uh, super soldier serum. Yeah, yeah. And figured that gamma radiation was a big part of activating the serum. So he blasted him. Well, he didn't he did intentionally. He didn't intentionally do it. But he did end up <laughs> blasting himself with gamma radiation to try and... As a part of that. Yeah. And, and uh, everyone's aware of, like, the big weapon program, which is Weapon X, which is Wolverine. And almost 
everything like X Men related branches off of that Weapon X. Yeah. Because that's how we get characters like Deadpool, X twenty three, Adamantian, like all of this stuff comes from the uh, uh, Weapon X program. So. In a way, I guess Strucker was kind of just carrying that on because the way he kind of explained it is like with uh, Red Skull and Captain America screwing around with, you know, the uh, Tesseract, as it were, or the Scepter in this case at this moment. These cosmic items were really good at making people stronger. So he was kind of finding a way to make people stronger through it, I guess, is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. So it's kind of a pseudo-weapon project, kind of like the Captain America one, but not directly stated that way. Okay, It was... Very similar in idea, if you've watched the Deadpool movie, to that, where it was, they took a bunch of people, they fucked with their genes, and then put them through stress to see if any mutant powers awoke from that process, and fucking everybody died except for Wanda and Pietro. Just like, mm-hmm. they literally have a comment in fucking it's Age like, of Ultron where it's like, yeah, literally only these two out of dozens survived. Yeah. And even in WandaVision, the little point where it shows... Wanda first getting her powers, they even say that everyone who was exposed to the staff died. Yeah. Although they also kind of explain that her powers had a unique effect on it because her whole thing is probability. That's why the bomb didn't go off. So effectively she just altered the probability of the stone killing her. Mm-hmm. And all people also said when that happens, like, well then how the hell did Pietro get powers? Like, clearly she altered his probability too. Yeah. Yeah, she... Because we already find that they're linked in some other level. Yeah. So and she could probably affect his probability, which I guess raises some interesting questions about the bullets. Uh, regardless, I think it's implied at the very least through this show that she had her powers all along. She just wasn't aware of or had any control over them. And through access to those powers, she survived that program and it managed to awaken them to the point where she could consciously control. Which might actually be how Pietro died, because if she wasn't consciously controlling him, she might have been able to protect him from the bullets. But with her having to consciously control the power she might not have thought to be right applying yeah, and that's the thing. it's always been subconscious for her up to the point of mm-hmm. i guess the probability aspect of it anyways was up until wandavision she didn't yeah. know and even yeah. still she's learning her powers learning yeah. about them and how to use them uh so on that same vein as well uh we already talked about the Pietro cameo and I want to talk about this is probably another theory when you had listed uh, but Monica's friend the aerospace engineer <laughs> yes uh <laughs> So many people, like, an insane amount of people came to the conclusion that the aerospace engineer friend of Monica's was the way they were going to introduce another property that they had recently, uh, that Marvel had recently acquired, or Disney, I guess, had acquired for Marvel. Matt, can you guess the other property they were going to introduce? Um, four... You're holding up four fingers. Fantastic oh, four. fantastic four. Specifically Reed Richards. Yeah, Reed Richards oh. was going to be the aerospace engineer. Which, to be fair, it still could be Reed Richards. It's just... But why would the aerospace engineer show up here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could very easily be in Captain Marvel 2. They're actually going to have Monica meet up with her aerospace engineer friend. And that's when they'll actually introduce Reed Richards. Well, we have the, we have two prominent origin stories for the Fantastic Four. They go into space and get hit by radiation, or they go into the negative zone and get hit by radiation. Regardless, they're going to end up getting hit by radiation somehow. I do think this is and necessarily not necessarily they actually have to show them getting hit by radiation. Because as we've already addressed, three major incidences of radiation have happened on Earth at this point in time. It's entirely possible yep. one of the multiple snaps fucked with their DNA. Yeah. 
Uh, regardless, yeah. So I think it's very much like what you were saying with Mephisto, where like these movie or this show was never meant to be a mainline movie or to develop them. It was more so meant to be its own thing to hold you between movies. Yeah. So I think they were mostly teasing at the existence of Reed Richards so that when they actually do Captain Marvel or whatever other movie, they have the chance to introduce her aerospace engineer friend and then they reveal that it's Reed Richards. And that's the thing too. The movies have always been like the big moments and like conflicts going on. And if you want to set up certain conflicts, you have to do some of that pre-work, but you don't want to, you know, have three movies that aren't really connected to it kind of setting up that legwork. The TV shows give the ability to make those adjustments. So now with the Darkholds in play, we have Wanda powered up as the Scarlet Witch and White Vision's out there somewhere and Monica has power. So yeah. we have a lot of things that are in play, even though not everything was answered. For example, one of the big questions that happened after the end was, what happened to White Vision? Why did he just fuck off at the end? I also really enjoyed the way that fight resolved is... Oh, it was the when best we get, fight. When we get yeah. to the final episode, there's two main fights going down. There's uh, Wanda's Vision versus White Vision, and there's Wanda versus Agatha Harkness. And Agatha versus Wanda goes down in classic fight style where they seem to be fighting, and then Wanda uses a lesson she learned two episodes previously to win the fight. But Vision versus Vision is just... Have you thought of the ship of Theseus? I have... Alright, we are done fighting now. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, they were, to be fair, they were lasering each other and using some really cool... Uh, actually, there's a part I want to talk about. Because there's a part where White Vision is trying to rip the crystal out of... Uh, right, uh, I guess we'll call him Fictional Vision. Or Vision Memory. Soul, stone, uh, soul Vision. Soul Vision. Not, not soul, Mind Vision, I mean. Mind Vision, yeah, Mind Vision. Tries to rip the stone out of his head. And he phases through it. And I was like, why didn't he do this with Thanos? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, no. I think or did, I, he, did he specifically... Well, he doesn't have the memories, though, is the issue. So then did he just, like, figure it out like, man. <laughs> no, I think that is actually addressed in Infinity War because we see at the beginning of an Infinity War... He was surprised War, he was rewound. <laughs> well, no, he gets stabbed by the spear in Infinity War and starts talking about how he can't phase anymore because the spear's affecting his code. Uh. And then uh, at the end of Infinity War, he gets stabbed by the spear again, and that's probably why he can't phase out of getting his skull ripped open. Makes sense. I think if he didn't get stabbed by the spear, he probably would just be like, yeah. whoop! <laughs> whoop! Oh, now I got all the Infinity Gauntlet stones! Yeah. He, while Thanos is trying to grab the one out of his head, Vision's just phasing through the Infinity Gauntlet, taking all those stones. I'll take that one, and that one, and that one. Oh, it's like you can't hit me while I'm incorporeal. <laughs> but yeah, they fight, they go to the library, and like, why are you doing this? Why can't we just talk to him? He's like, no, I must destroy Vision. He's like, I'm but I'm only a conditional Vision! I must destroy the real Vision, but I'm not real! Oh, yeah. elaborate. <laughs> Please elaborate. Yeah, I just... I love how he essentially, like, paradoxed him through victory. He's like, I must destroy the vision. He's like, I mean, technically, you're the real vision. He's like, I don't have the memories. He's like, boop, now you do. Go fuck yourself. He's like, I'm the real vision. I'm not going to destroy myself. I'm going to think about this. Well, to be fair, how I think it played out. Because a lot of people were saying, well, if he got the memories and he has, like the met, like, the feeling now because of what was unlocked by vision... Shouldn't he become real Vision? And why didn't he go help Wanda? Well, first off, it kind of ruins the ending if White Vision shows up and there's no payoff to her moving yeah. past. Yeah. Uh, secondly, though, I don't think... Because he has the memories unlocked. They never said specifically he's like, oh, the emotion or the attachment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think... I think he needs to go figure out what's going on, right? Yeah, I think he essentially needs to like, go through therapy to reawaken his... And I don't think it was... Certainly got the emotions because he went from the robotic sound to the vision voice. Well, I think he got his compassion back, but I don't think mm. he has the... Like, because the connection that he built with Wanda yeah. is not just the memories, right? Right, he doesn't have 
I guess he wouldn't have the emotional connection yet. And as Vision explains with the uh, Theseus puzzle, where what ship's the correct one, the one that's replaced or the one that is the original pieces stripped of the rod. Yeah. And then he explains, like, well, maybe, you know, it's the, the rod is the wear and tear of the memories and stuff like that. And, like, mm-hmm. what would actually Theseus touch? So he has the memories unlocked and he has compassion or, like, he's not a killing machine anymore because by unlocking the memories, he's no longer under control of Hayward. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why he flies off. And I think Vision, honestly, if I had to kind of guess where I think Wanda's story is going, I think she's going to go darker, and she could possibly be an antagonist in Doctor Strange. Yeah. And I think ultimately will bring her back is Vision. Yeah, I I don't know for sure that's what's going to happen, but I do think it's definitely going to be Wanda going down a dark path, trying to come to terms with the Dark Old and her abilities as the Scarlet Witch. And then I think over the course of some time... Vision will regain his memories fully, regain his emotions, and then he'll be the one to pull her back from the brink. Because, fun fact about the Darkhold, Matt, if you read it, you go insane. Oh, interesting. And now the strongest thing in the universe at this point right now, Wanda, is reading that book. Okay, so the Darkhold is that book, then. Yeah, so the Darkhold is known as the Book of the Damned. It was made by C'Than, and C'Than's also the person that gave Wanda her powers in the comics. One of the things that gave Wanda her powers in the comics. It, Wanda's co- Wanda, honestly, I think she's altering reality constantly because her origin story changes so much. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes Magneto's her father. Sometimes it's gypsies. Sometimes she was taken care of by a cow. It's like literally various characters have different backstories and it's addressed because of the different like earth that it takes place on. Wanda, nah, she's just got different backstories. You just got to learn to live with that fact. Okay. And uh, well, now that we're talking about that, now that we brought up that book... I also want to talk about Agnes, or Agatha, because uh, me not knowing anything about Agatha Harkness, who, according to you guys, is an actual character in the story, which answers that question for me. When I was watching this, I was still not entirely convinced that Agatha was just another creation inside of the Hex. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. She gives a lot of hints. She fully, like, walked into the Hex after seeing so much magic happen and was just like, I'm gonna see what's going on. Well, actually, when we got the Agatha all along sequence, which was great, she flies in. (laughs) You're right. She doesn't walk in, she flies in. Yeah. But even still, my my one and only time watching through it and getting the reveal that she's this witch, I'm like, is that real or is this some subplot contrived by, uh, Wanda to try to bring all the loose ends together and <laughs> oh, force so you're, you're this thinking, blame on someone else. <laughs> you're, you're thinking they went full passions in this one, which was, uh, I believe, uh, what was it? A uh, soap opera about a city with normal people, but one of the characters was a witch with a, a doll that she pretended was her son that was just a magical creation. And it was never really addressed by the rest of the show. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, no. It's like, uh, Agatha is absolutely a real character in. All, like Marvel Comics. Okay, I'm glad that that's been She actually up. was the nanny for uh, Frank, Franklin Richards, which is uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm's child. Interesting. Okay. And she was burned at the stake and died. Yep. Because she's a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. Okay. Which I did enjoy the twist uh, they pulled with this one. Yeah. Where it was witches burning other witches, essentially. <laughs> also, uh, taking into another account, too, the fact that if we're assuming uh, Agnes or Agatha is answering truthfully with all of like the things the comments she makes, it makes the "I once bit a kid" comment a lot better. It's like <laughs> yeah. when she said it, and I, it's like she's Agatha Harkness. She definitely bit a kid. That's not a joke. She's being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she said that line, and I it just she just paused, and I was 
waiting for her to say that she was joking, but she never did. No. It just panned away. Like, I 100% believe this, egg wait, goes to, this to, one has been a child. To be fair, I feel like 90% of the lines of Agna, or Agatha as Agnes were just Catherine Hahn just like having fun with the role. And it's just so fucking good. Uh, yeah. But since she's a real character and this is, as we stated, just a television show and not one of the main cinematic universe movies, and we said that they can't really do anything major, major. Well, I don't think it, like, I wouldn't say they're not going to do anything major, but well, yeah. I, I don't but, think we should expect a full-on conclusion to all the things brought up in these series. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they're more so designed, like, I think it's specifically designed to address some of the issues they had very early in the MCU, which was the middle child film problem, where there was films that were mostly designed to set up things for future mm-hmm. movies. And by having these series, they don't have to worry about creating a movie that's just setting up the plot for a future movie. They have these series that are there to set up the plot, and the movie can just be its own yeah. thing. Yeah. It's so like, now that they've had this, one vision is done, and we have Agnes Agatha Harkman set up, but just kind of imprisoned there in the side world. Now she can actually have a full-on reveal in a movie. It's like, she's back! It's like, okay, if you want to figure out where she came from, and her backstory, watch this. I honestly think because they've been very exclu- like explicit that this leads right into Doctor Strange. I feel like if they are bringing her back, the the thing she was warning about at the end is like you don't know what you've unleashed. I think that's do- like uh, mm. multiverse of madness, Doctor Strange. So I feel like she's coming back as well as Wanda and possibly Vision. But it might be that multiverse of madness ends with her kind of going off the deep end. Yeah, I evil. think yeah. I think new Vision is going to be a while away still. It's yeah. possible. Uh, yeah. So it definitely feels like. If anything, she will get brought back, not like as a surprise antagonist, but as Wanda going back and releasing her from her prison and being like, so you want to answer some of those questions you were hinting at me mm-hmm. having in the future? I'd really like to have answers now. But essentially, I think a lot of stuff's going to get, that came up in this is going to get paid off in Doctor Strange, just where they've been so clear about the connection there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everything will, but I think most of the magical aspect things are going to get paid off. The thing she unleashed is probably hinting at the thing from Multiverse of Madness. And in fact, I'm pretty sure the Darkhold is the main c- cause for all of everything that's going to happen. In that oh, movie. yeah. Okay. Also, the fun fact about the Darkhold, the Darkhold is also what created vampires in the MCU, uh, in the Marvel Universe. So probably also going to be tied to whatever happened in the MCU. Interesting. Yeah, so that's also probably how they're going to introduce Blade as a character. And that is as a part, not necessarily vampires are going to get created, but as a part of investigating the Darkhold during Multiverse of Madness, they might also discover that vampires are a thing that exists. <laughs> the multiple snaps didn't create mutants. It just made vampires for some reason. We don't know why. The first snap actually created the vampires when he was eliminating half of all life. And then the second snap got rid of them. And then the third snap that got rid of Thanos' army brought vampires right back in. It was They, they did like a little zigzag <laughs> thing to get into the universe. Um, for a few moments there, Blade's like, I won! I finally did it! <laughs> and then Tony snapped just like, fuck! So, I'm not um, going to his funeral. Uh, if I, uh, though, to, for a brief aside on mutants specifically, they did announce that the mutants is going to be a series we're going to get, or a movie, I can't remember specifically, but if anything, like, film-wise, is going to hard say mutants are in the reality, I think it's going to be the Eternals movie. I think mm-hmm. that's the most likely explanation as well. Because if I remember correctly... Several of the Eternals are just very old mutants who have mutant powers that kind of made them super powerful. Essentially. Well, not exactly. So they're the progenitors for the uh, X gene, specifically. Right, yes. They're where mutants kind of come from, essentially. Because Apocalypse is the first person who actually had a developed X gene that made him mutant. Yeah. Um, 
so we kind of addressed things paying off. I want to address a couple of characters payoff as, and they were established as kind of side characters in earlier movies and got more of a role in this series. Yeah. You mean like Jimmy Woo finally figuring out that magic trick? Yeah, like Jimmy Woo finally, like clearly spending time between Ant-Man 2 and this movie mastering close-up magic uh, so he can learn to release himself from his uh, handcuffs. Or uh, this business card. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Darcy, Darcy Lewis, who's... who for the longest time I was just thinking... She's familiar. She sounds familiar. Where is she familiar from? She's the intern from the first yep. Thor. Well, the first two Thor movies. Yep. Uh, and then and she... Inspired by the events in those to go become what she is now. She finally has her PhD as of this point. Yeah. So we know that even the side characters get to develop in between movies. That, then, was, that was all I wanted to address. And then become an escape artist in a sitcom circus. I really do hope that... <laughs> In uh, the third Ant-Man movie, Jimmy Woo is a character again, but now he comes back and he's like, look, I've also practiced magic. And he, oh, almost knocked over a bunch of water there. Uh, and he just starts doing magic for fucking Paul Rudd to watch. Not even for Scott Lang, for Paul Rudd. <laughs> We're supposed to be acting. This is a movie. I don't care. Look at this. You did tricks in the last movie. I get to do tricks now. Uh, well, actually, funny comment about that, because a lot of people were saying uh, Jimmy Woo needs his own show, and uh, Jimmy Woo was actually a character from the comics as well. Okay, because yeah. I, I really like his character. Uh, but a lot of people have been saying, he could be like the new Coulson. I'm like, I don't know if he wants to be <laughs> That's a Coulson. real <laughs> dark path you're trying to send Jimmy Woo down. I mean, yeah, he gets like nine seasons of like a TV show that's a spinoff that's loosely connected to the universe, but he has to die. <laughs> he also dies before the show starts, and then dies in the show. He doesn't technically die in the show movies just never addressed again but yeah uh, definitely there's been a lot of excitement for it and they've just, uh pretty much there's been a lot of people saying he means like his own like kind of monster of the week almost series like kind of like i guess agents of shield but more so dealing with like superhero crime see i enjoyed that idea but we already know of an upcoming monster of the week show set in the mcu like it's not officially an mc uh monster of the week show but it very heavily looks like it's going to be a monster of the week style show which is the loki movie or not movie, uh, the Loki Disney Plus series, uh, which, from what I've seen of it, looks very much like it's just Loki working for the time variance. Uh, uh, I think he's stopping other Lokis. Yeah, I think he's just uh, stopping people from fucking with the timeline. It's going to be Loki pretty cool. It's like Ape Escape, but he's also the ape. Oh, what a good game, Ape <laughs> Escape. I mean, objectively, it was trash, but also, I remember it quite fondly. But do you have anything else to say about WandaVision? Uh, so a few things that uh, we, I think we need to address a bit. We kind of loosely mentioned this, but uh, everyone's Mephisto. Yeah, so <laughs> with how much people were theorizing in the week-to-week -week episodes, or weeks between episodes, Mephisto came up a lot. and People were convinced this is the Host of M storyline. Mephisto is a very major character in the Host of M. Someone in this movie, or in this series, is Mephisto. Dying's Mephisto. Scratchy's Mephisto. Agatha's Mephisto. The kids are Mephisto. That cicada? Mephisto. Yeah. Uh, which is why we've gotten uh, memes in the two weeks since the last episode aired of people like, man, can't wait for Falcon and Winter Soldier to come out. Really looking forward to it. You mean Although, should I call it Mephisto? Although I should really be calling it Mephisto and Winter Mephisto. That was just the same character, but one's wearing Winter Jack because it's Winter Mephisto. Yeah. I tried to Google that image earlier and just got a whole bunch of moccasin shoes at so. <laughs> Winter Mephisto? <laughs> yeah. Apparently Winter Mephisto isn't a thing. But yeah, people just went insane with it, and I can only help but think back, because it was also happening with the uh, 
commercials as more people saying it like it represented the infinity stones and stuff like that and i just could think back to like man uh, the first three phases of uh the mcu all the Infinity Stones where they're at spells out Thanos. And that was like the biggest thing that everyone was so stuck on for so long. Yeah, and the best part about it is like up until Infinity War, or just before Infinity War, we knew where five of the six was, so it was just trying to figure out where the Soul Stone was. And I really enjoyed people like theorizing what it was. Like uh, some people suggesting it was Heimdall's eyes were the Soul Stone. Some people suggesting that Nebula was powered by the Soul Stone somehow. Other people suggesting that Thanos' own heart was the Soul Stone, <laughs> and when it got time to do the snap, he'd have to rip out his own heart. Which, I mean, I guess technically they were kind of close, and then he had to throw his favorite daughter off a cliff, but no. <laughs> just no. <laughs> Let's just say it was loose, because the idea was that it was Tesseract, okay, doing good, and then we had Aether. So, okay, the name of it again is good. Necklace. <laughs> It's, but it's not a necklace. It's the Eye of Agamotto. That's what it's called. Then we had the orb for the power yeah, stone. Yeah, orb. Orb. <laughs> oh, what was... Oh, S was the scepter for yeah, the monster. So people were like... It was very loosely grasping at straws and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? And when I was seeing all these people talk about, like, the deeper meaning of all the ads, how it was the Infinity Stones, and she's recreating them because of it, I was like, no. <laughs> Just no. Everyone's Mephisto. I mean, maybe, but... I think it is one of those things, like, people have got to accept, Infinity Saga is over, the next antagonist and the way they resolve it is not going to involve the Infinity Stones, it's a completely separate thing, not everything is Infinity Stones from this point onwards. I mean, I know next to nothing about the series outside of the movies and now the TV shows, um, so I'll just be surprised to whatever they throw at us. It'll be Galactus. <laughs> but it won't be Galactus like in the comic books, the giant purple man, it'll be Galactus like in, uh... The, the Silver Surfer? The Silver Surfer movie, where it's just a big cloud. that That's who the next antagonist will be. A big cloud. Uh, you know, CG wasn't the best back then. I'm not going to blame them too hard for that one. <laughs> that's fair. The, the closest they could have got was going like full on like classic Godzilla of having a man in a suit next to a model Earth. Well, the thing I really enjoy is there were the two movies that came out around the same time that just had big CGI clouds instead of the actual... Green Lantern? Movies. Yeah, Green Lantern with Parallax just also being a big old cloud. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, I feel like there's one villain we haven't really talked about yet, and that's Hayward himself. Yeah, that's because I don't like him and don't want, think he deserves our time talking about him. Well, I want to talk about a few things, though, because one of the things I've saw come up a lot were, uh, at the end, after everything happens, he tries to kill the kids, he gets arrested, and a lot of people online seem to be confused about why he's getting arrested for doing his job. Regardless of him being an asshole about it, they were like, why is he getting arrested? And I couldn't figure it out myself until my second watch through and I realized something. So in the... Uh, so just kind of talk about Hayward's story. So he's the person who's in charge of S.W.O.R.D. And he was kind of like the only person available when everyone got snapped. Yeah. So he took over when really it was supposed to be Monica from the sound of it. Uh, and we find out that he was kind of manipulating things because uh, he hates powered individuals and he wants super robots to do everything. Yeah, a lot of people because of this... Uh, believe that he's actually the start of the Mutant Registration Act once mutants get introduced. I, I can see that still happening. Yeah, and him, back. like, his efforts to recreate Vision lead to the creation of the Sentinels to destroy the mutants when that happens. Because he is, like, outwardly, aggressively outspoken about how much he hates superpowered individuals, 
and also how much fond he is of killer robots. So well, like, there's that great scene where they're talking about like everything that happened with Wanda Maximoff. Like, you know, she was a terrorist and all that stuff. And Jimmy was like, well, that's simplifying things. But yeah, and then he goes on like, you know, stupid Philly names or whatever in that. And, you know, they did actively work for Hydra. Go sit down, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the thing I wanted to mention, too, is in that same scene when he's explaining all of this, uh, and he says, oh, she stole the Vision's body and resurrected him. Which goes, and, and then Jimmy types in, oh, that not only goes against the Vision's living will, but the Sokovia Accords. Yeah. And so I was thinking about, of course the Sokovia Accords would say, don't revive any giant robots that are super powerful, considering Ultron is the reason we have mm-hmm. the Accords. So yeah. that's why he was trying to make it look like there was only one Vision the whole time, not two. And because as long as he, he could claim that Wanda recreated him, and he's not the one who broke the law by recreating Exactly. Yeah. So because they had evidence that he recreated Vision, or brought him back uh, online... He violated the Sokovia Accords, and that's why he's arrested. Yeah. But also, uh, it it was shown that he was having his team take apart the original body of Vision, which and, been, which we find out he's been doing for five years. Yeah, and uh, also apparently they all think, aside from him, that Wanda took the body, so the body is gone. And I'm assuming that uh, the new White Vision is completely built from the ground up new, and he's just has. Vision's old body pieces just hidden in his own closet somewhere. Uh, I don't think that's how it worked out. I, yeah, I think it, because it kind of sounds like he was taking apart and putting back together, replacing parts, mm. kind of giving more reference to the ship of Theseus. Theseus. So I believe that is the original body, but he was just taking it apart and putting it together. And actually, a little fun thing on Second Watch that I noticed too as soon as Hayward sees Vision inside the hex, his immediate thing is, I need to go back to the office and just kind of leaves. Yeah. It, well, he sees that, so he realizes he probably can finish the vision now because he has this excuse. <laughs> I think there was a brief moment there. He's like, shit, did she actually get the vision out of my office when I wasn't looking? Uh, there's also the fact that you'll notice when Vision kind of walks out of the hex and starts disintegrating, mm-hmm. he's very explicitly, let's just let this play out. Let's just let this vision die because now we have proof she created a vision. And if that vision is not gone, then the vision I created can just be the vision she created. So, the moment that happens is when he gets a little bit excited that his plan can finally work out and he can throw all of the blame onto Wanda. Yeah, but that's pretty much what his goal is. Uh, he does go to jail. Uh, of course, we as the viewer think, oh, he tried to kill those kids. But we also have to remember, those kids aren't real in any aspect. Yeah, no. yeah. And if he did successfully shoot those kids, there's going to be no evidence that he shot children. Yeah, and regardless, like... Everything he did was technically a part of his job, except for the whole creating the vision. Yeah, yeah. and violating Scovia Accords and his living will. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely see them bring Hayward uh, back in some capacity uh, to possibly something on the anti-mutant side of things, because I definitely feel like that's what they were trying to go for with it. Yeah. And honestly, I think Wanda did enough of his job for him with the survivors of Westview. <laughs> yeah, I think... I am not surprised if after this happens, word is going to spread of what happened in Westview enough to have at least the very least a very vocal minority of people who are like, nah, these mutants are a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. So long as he works hard enough to associate the idea of mutant with Wanda, yeah. um, then he'll have a strong enough base that he can probably actually get political power and based on his anti-mutant agenda. And from Wanda going insane by reading her new book, that's certainly going to help his agenda. Probably. Yeah, so I think even if they aren't even fully introduced in the Eternals, I do think a couple movies down the line, it's probably going to be here and there moments that 
are then later used to point at Newton's bad kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see it being that way. Oh, and another thing that a lot of people I've seen some people complain about online is the ending. They felt like Wanda should have received some sort of punishment, and they kind of just were like, she gave up her family for them. It's like, yeah, but you also only got your family because you would prison these people in this yeah. town. Uh, and some people are like, well, why didn't they stop her? It's like, you know, thinking about it, Monica is really the only person there that probably could have a chance at stopping her. But even still, I don't think she thinks she yeah. could stop her. And Monica's her. even like, I would have done the same thing, honestly. Not really, you know, putting some, you know, enthusiasm or trust in the aspect of you being a hero moving forward with that. Yeah. The, the thing that, like, whenever people complain about the fact that none of the, like, soldiers stopped Monica from leaving, the thing they seem to forget happening is that fucking... Scarlet Witch was one of the few characters to go toe-to-toe with Thanos for an extended period of time, and almost won, except for the fact that he then just orbitably bombarded the battlefield to get out of her grasp. Yeah, they have that yeah. argument about it earlier, right? It's like, yeah, well, she went toe-to-toe with Thanos, like, well, Captain Marvel did too. It's like, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't think anyone's fucking stopping Scarlet Witch from getting away. Um, I... The argument of, like, her losing her family isn't punishment enough kind of makes sense. Because, like, if you break into a bank and then steal $50,000 or something, your punishment isn't give the $50,000 back and then go on your way. (laughs) You can't just lose what you got through the crime. There is additional punishments on top of that. But also, there is no way of actually forcing Wanda to go through with those punishments. Yeah, so uh, I think definitely she's going to be viewed very negatively in this universe moving forward for quite some time, if not indefinitely at this point. Just going to have to live with her guilt. Well, this also kind of harkens back to Civil War, where she causes that whole fucking explosion to go off, and essentially the two, like, father figures who are now in her life of Captain America and Iron Man have, like, very different responses of Captain America being like, Nah, what you did is what you did. You gotta learn to live with yourself. And like, Sometimes you kill people. I'm from the 50s. It was a different time. <laughs> and Tony's just there like, nah, you should probably just avoid people for an extended period of time. Allow them to kind of forget about this tragedy before you go out and cause even greater tragedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, she does have a shit run of things when it comes to just the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so I think it's entirely possible that she might spend some time in that cabin trying to follow Tony's point of view. And then just being like, fuck it, Steve was right. Sometimes people die. Whatever. If I gotta be a bad guy, I gotta be a bad guy. No, excuse me while I rope up the hell dimension so I can get my kids back. Yeah. That is the very subtle teaser we get is her reading the fucking Darkhold at the end of the series, only to hear her children crying for help and her being like, Alright, fuck, let's do this. And the thing, because there's the two end credit scenes. There's that one where she's in the cabin reading. And then we have the one with um, Rambo, who gets called to a theater. It's a scroll. And then there's a man upstairs who is a friend of your mother's who uh, has some work for you. Which I'm pretty sure is referencing the fact that at the end of the last Spider-Man movie, we saw Nick Fury was on the sword base in space. Which is making me think that the first big crossover movie that we're going to get, like the Avengers level stuff, is probably going to be a result of all these references for that sword base. Yeah, I do think, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. has effectively been written out of the MCU at this point. That they've been completely eliminated, and the people who were still operating on their behalf are kind of gone now, too. So I do think that we are going to have to start introducing S.W.O.R.D. for the big team up. I think it's mostly, yeah, just going to be, like, hints towards the S.W.O.R.D. base and all that shit before the team up. And then the team up is going to be where we actually get to see more of that S.W.O.R.D. base. This is also, if you think about the timeline again, where this show still kind of takes place before 
Far From Home. I think even the last episode probably is at least a little bit before Far From Home. Well, for the sound of it, it, like, it wasn't even two weeks in total. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Far From Home is, I think, seven months after? I think it's eight months. Uh, regardless, I do think it's entirely likely that Nick Fury is not only up there, he's currently, like, sipping mojitos in front of that beach scene. He's just like, ah, fuck, Monica's bored. Come up here and hang out with me! And it's just her on vacation with him not actually doing work. <laughs> See, I think... Uh, even though we might deal with an extra-dimensional threat in Doctor Strange, I feel like the f- next big threat is probably going to be another space one that's going to hint at something else. So, I, with Fantastic Four coming in, I think we are very likely moving towards multiverse or Galactus. Yeah, I think it's one of those two things are the next big threat. Uh, and one other thing I actually want to talk about as well. We got an actual real-time blip-return scene in this series as well. Because the only other time we had one of these, like, ones where it was kind of showing was Spider-Man, which is kind of played for laughs with yeah. the, the band appearing on the middle of a basketball game. Yeah, uh, But this one is in real time. We're seeing from the perspective of Monica coming back. And I feel like this one is kind of to like silence all the people. Like, what about those people that were on airplanes, huh? Because we see people coming back. And one of the things that kind of goes by fast, but you might not see, is that someone blips back onto someone pushing a bed. So they, they blip back on the bed, yeah. yeah. which means the blip also had some, I guess, level of sentience of returning people. It's like, I'm not going to just drop them in the middle of nowhere. I'm yeah. going to put them in the closest thing possible to what they were before. So they're the pr- same general area. So there's probably a bunch of people who just blipped into parked planes that were sitting in hangars. They're like, uh, somebody, can I get out of here? <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, uh, or even more fun, just like a flight that was like flying from like, St. Louis to Delaware or something and was like half full is immediately full full while flying and they're like yeah okay because yeah, like if they're put back in the exact coordinate that they were put then they're away, not put back on earth they're put yeah, back exactly. somewhere in the middle of space yeah so yeah it was definitely I think uh when the Hulk snapped he was probably like Bring everyone back. Uh, try to bring back Blackwood if you can, and also make sure no one dies when I bring them back. Well, I don't even know that he had to put in the make sure no one dies. I think it was probably bring everyone back, especially bring back Natasha if at all possible, because they do also specifically address during the Infinity War and Endgame that like the Soul Stone has some level of intelligence and probably like corrects for the little flaws in logic in your snap. <laughs> We're just lucky it's not like a monkey's paw level of intelligence yeah. though. It's the oh, show bring everyone back, but they're on the sun now. I think it's probably a monkey's paw, but like a nice monkey's paw, where it's like, uh, you kind of left some like loopholes here. Let me just close those off for you. <laughs> the reverse monkey's paw. Yeah. This is once the best for you. <laughs> you had to give up something really important to you if you wanted me. So uh, let me let me pay on the back here. It could even be that, like, somehow Natasha's consciousness resides within the Soul Stone, and she's the one being like, uh, Bruce probably didn't think of this, let's just make sure everyone's, like, in a safe space and doesn't die immediately, but I'm coming back. I feel sorry for those uh, poor hospital patients who were suddenly sharing a bed. <laughs> well, to be fair, we never saw anyone blip into an actual bed. The most we got of, like, two people blipping in the same <laughs> spot was when Monica Rambo just floored that guy, which also makes me believe she had the powers beforehand, because that guy actually took quite the tumble yeah, when she did. slammed into Yeah. So, now that we got all that done, uh, any wild speculations moving forward? Do you think Hayward's still Mephisto, and he's just hiding it still? I don't think Hayward's Mephisto. <laughs> I do think Multiverse of Madness is going to introduce Mephisto. I don't think he's going to be a major antagonist. I think it's just going to introduce the idea of Mephisto. Yeah, because I, I believe 
Was Mephisto, was Mephisto a character with Ghost Rider? Uh, kind of. Kind of. So, Ghost Rider got his powers from the devil. Yeah. And the devil is literally just Mephisto playing at what he thinks humanity thinks the devil looks like. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. So, maybe we'll get a revamp of Ghost Rider when Mephisto shows up. It's possible. I mean, the Ghost Riders also connect to the Darkhold. Oh. So, yes. I suspect we're going to get... Because Mephisto's where all the theories are at right now after that series, I do feel like we might get some teases at Mephisto in Multiverse of Madness because I do think he is the kind of villain who they'll want to do a lot of setup and hinting at well, is before it like, they fully introduce him. Because I believe the big rumor is that Nightmare is the villain of Multiverse of Madness and aren't Nightmare and Mephisto like also part of like the aspects of terror or something like that? Something like that. Whereas like a bunch of like demon god things that are Mephisto, Nightmare, and a few others that are just like horrible things. <laughs> They're just bad. Yeah. Not good. I think Dormammu's in there too, isn't he? He might be, yeah. He was dealt with, though. You kind of. Time he, Stone's gone now. His True. Whole, the way of dealing with him was like, fuck off and don't come back or else I'll time stop you. And he's just like, the moment he realizes Time Stone's gone, he can just come right back. Right. Granted, they probably reset up their defenses that prevented him from charging Well, he, he also needs someone on R&D because that's yeah. the big thing of like the Hell Dimension aspect is something needs to specifically help on this end, yeah. which is why Mephisto in the comics had to use fake babies that were actually hands to get through. And that's how I'm describing that. They're hand okay. children. Just think of it like hand puppets, except the puppets are actual children. Yeah, okay. Or uh, if you literally sew hand puppets to your hands. A little more... And also, also they're sentient and don't fully agree with what you're doing. Also, they are just remarkably realistic. A little more disturbing, but okay. I'm just going to be stuck with those images now. <laughs> But yeah, I think, yeah, we're going to get something Nightmare, probably, Mephisto might get hinted at. Uh, I think it's becoming more and more obvious that they want to go towards Young Avengers. Yeah. Which is why I'm positive Billy and Tommy are going to return. They already aged up Cassie Lang so that they can make her, uh, darn what is she, Ant Girl or something like that? Yeah. Stinger? We also, uh, I think it is Stinger. Riri Williams was announced for Ironheart. Yeah, we, uh... Kate Bishop. Have hinted at fucking Hawkeye's daughter. Yeah. Well, no, Kate Bishop's actually going to be a thing and not Hawkeye's daughter. Yeah, I know. I just mean we have hints at lots of different fucking, uh... Characters for the Young Avengers. And actually, I didn't think about it, but if we're getting, uh, Secret Invasion, they could also set up Hulkling. They could. The Hulk is good? Uh, it just... They <laughs> spend Far From Home kind of setting up Peter Parker as the next Tony Stark and it doesn't make sense for him to lead a group of adults so yeah. having Young Avengers and having him be the leader of the Young Avengers is a much more fitting role for him so I think the Young Avengers makes a lot more sense. Oh, so I need to go back because when I said Hulkling, Matt said Hulk has a kid and I realized, yeah, it's kind of a bad concept but essentially Hulkling is actually nothing to do with the Hulk he looks like the Hulk but he's actually a scroll. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, there are these things called Super Scrolls who also can take on the superpowers of people they take the form of. I've learned a little bit about them. Hulkling. Yeah. Okay. He's like a scroll prince that is a teenager, and uh, I believe he, in the comics, is dating Wiccan. Yeah, that sounds Which right. Which would be Billy. Okay. Scrolls are cool, man. All right. We've established at this point, scrolls are cool. Until they're not. Until inevitably there's a splinter faction of Skrulls who are not cool. And that's Secret Invasion. Fair enough. 
I would actually, like, we kind of talked about Galactus being the big threat from a cosmic sense. And we also talked about this so long ago when we did our Phase 4 predictions. I still really like the idea of a Secret Wars movie where it's not an individual antagonist. It's this greater idea of yeah. something. It's like, like instead of just a single entity being the be-all, end-all threat, have some sort of other equally as important thing going on, but just like bigger in scale, not just one person. Yeah. Very dangerous for humanity, but not Thanos. Or not Thanos version 2. That's true, they killed two Thanos. Yeah, so that's kind of the problem with Galactus. Like, yes, Galactus is his own fucking can of worms, but at the same time, introducing Galactus just feels... Uh, he's literally a giant purple yeah. guy from space who wants to destroy the Earth. How do you get bigger than Galactus? You know. Uh, but it's the kind of thing where, like, it doesn't leave you anywhere to grow, and also it seems a little too close to Thanos uh, right now, so mm. taking it in a different direction for the next antagonist seems more good to me. Fitting's a better word than gooder, because gooder's not even a word. Well, there was that speculation that uh, the big villains were kind of moving into, or I don't know what's their name, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, one of their heads was uh, the space station. Oh, oh right. Uh, fuck. Oh, I want to say the Eternals, but that's not is correct. It, it's people those, that made the Eternals. Those gold people? The big ones, yeah. The big ones, yeah. No, the gold people are, right. uh, darn, what are they? She's a sovereign. Yeah, the gold people are sovereigns. Mm. Nowhere is a severed celestial. Head. Celestials, that's the one. Because celestials are kind of the people that are responsible for making the Eternals, who also led to the uh, mutants and all that stuff. And they yeah. tend to do a lot of that stuff all over the place. So the Kree, mm. the scrolls are all kind of like because of them. We also have celestials already kind of established as antagonists because right. Ego, Peter Quill's right. dad, was also a celestial. Yeah. So yeah, it could very easily be setting up Celestials as being the next antagonist. And isn't technically Galactus also... I feel like... I don't know if he's exactly a Celestial, but I feel like he's on par with a Celestial. The, the, the issue that you get into with uh, Galactus, though, is if you kill Galactus, the universe ends. Huh. Kind of a uh, raw deal. Yeah. Let him eat your planet, or destroy everything. It's some weird thing where he's part of the previous dimension... Mm. And if he dies, then something takes his place and becomes that, but the whole world resets because of it, uh, and is the new entity in that next so like dimension. The, so the current dimension now becomes the previous dimension for the new Galactus exactly. kind of thing. I see. Yeah, he uh, started off as a mortal, not quite man, but a mortal being that consumed planets to sustain his own life force. And in doing that enough, he now sustains the entire universe through his existence. And if he dies, then the universe collapses? Yeah. Huh. Lovely. Yeah. I think that's a little too big to get into as our next antagonist. Well, they heavily simplify it, right? Just like I'm pretty sure uh, Mephisto's child hands are not going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of shit that's already happened in the MCU has been heavily simplified versions of what happened in the comic books. Like, fucking... The original Civil War storyline involved a robot Thor destroying Giant Man. Uh, and that was, like, part of what I, started... I, I believe he was specifically going by Goliath at that time. Goliath, yeah. My favorite thing about that, too, was, like, they did the whole thing of, like, turn in next issue where someone dies, and it shows, like, all the characters that could potentially die. It's like, well, let's see, we got Iron Man there, Spider-Man. It's like, and then there's that one guy that no one's seen in a while named Goliath. Uh, not very good for Goliath. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was literally, like, 
fucking Reed Richards and Tony Stark, uh, Thor fucked off and left. So Reed Richards and Tony Stark created a robotic version of Thor to wield Mjolnir to protect the Earth so people didn't realize that Thor was gone. Oh my god. And then that Thor went a little bit insane because it was a robot and AI goes insane anytime it happens in the MCU. And he killed Goliath in the middle of a fight and a whole bunch of other shit happened. Some school kids died and that's what spawned the Civil War. Just like in Civil War 2 where Rhodey got, uh, uh, what was it? Atomized. Yes. <laughs> Which is great because, no, I'm not kidding, that comic where Rhodey got atomized came out the same week as Civil War, the uh, movie, where he got shot down by Vision. <laughs> Rhodey had a really rough week in real life. Oh my god. Also, I believe Captain Marvel was the one atomized <laughs> Yeah, that sounds correct to me. Fuck. Alright, do we have, like, recommendations? Can we end this? Oh, well, I got some questions for you guys first. <laughs> okay, yes. Where do you think White Vision went? Went on... He went off to think about some things. No, but where do you think he went? Sokovia. <laughs> he Did went he... back to, like, one uh, of his earliest memories to try and figure it all out. Uh, I don't think he went there because Wanda's there. I don't think he wants to go where Wanda is. Well, actually, yet. it's speculated she's actually in the Mountains of Wondagore. Yeah. Which is where the Darkhold was crafted. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe he did go to Sokovia. Uh, some people have said that they think he went to Wakanda. Oh, so the place he died, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, that is... That is actually yeah, it, more I, like that. I figure it happened one of two ways. He either went to his earliest memory and tried to trace his way back up to where he died, or he went back to where he died and is working his way back. Yeah, so memory. people have speculated that he might show up in uh, Black Panther 2 because of that as a character. Yep. Uh, another one, which I kind of like this one, is that uh, as Vision ends up saying in it, he explained that uh, he was a voice without a body, and then he was created, or as like, you know, the body and the voice together, but made under ill intent, yeah. and then, you know, just a memory. And the speculation is, when Jarvis was dead, quote-unquote, he was in the internet stopping Ultron, and mm -hmm. we found out about the place called The Nexus, so the speculation is that Vision had actually gone off to the Nexus to find more information on everything. That's entirely possible. And yeah. the speculation is a fragment of Jarvis might still be there, which is kind of like the missing puzzle piece. Yeah, it might be the spark mm. that fully reawakens his emotions. Yeah. I mean, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that White's uh, Vision goes back to the sword base, because he was still programmed and functioning on a program from Sword Base. Yeah, but that was more of a blanket program that was kind of... Because they locked his real memories True. and did that. So as soon as that was removed, that was him kind of free again. True. Yeah, him regaining his memories kind of overrid the programming because he was no longer just essentially an automaton. He was back to having free will in a certain degree. Which is why as soon as he regained his memories and realized he was the real vision, he didn't immediately kill himself because he had officially overridden yeah. his programming. Yeah. Otherwise, he probably just would have self-destructed right there yeah. with the whole divide by, uh, I don't know, zero is yeah. the mm. best way to explain it. <laughs> That's a lot of zeros. I can't deal with this. Yeah. Uh, so did you guys have a favorite moment in this series? I know we kind of briefly mentioned the Vision-Vision fight. I really enjoyed the Vision-Vision fight, specifically for the resolution. I think, honestly, if I have to say favorite moment, I don't know that it was my favorite overall, but it was the moment that I started watching where I was like, yes, I'm going to watch this show through the end. I'm invested in the show. And it was in episode two when they're doing the magic act. 
and Vision keeps doing real magic, and Wanda keeps using real magic to make the real magic look like fake magic. That was probably one of my favorite moments. The, the part I loved the most about that was when he put put the hat through him, and it's like, how do you do that? And the wind blows, and you just see the mirrors in the gazebo, and the wonder is like, I don't think that's how mirrors work. Yeah. Like, Shut up. <laughs> I think. There's a few moments that stick out. Uh, Agatha all along was great, and yeah. the vision-vision fight. But I think the scene I liked the most was probably one of the simplest, and that was the scene of Vision and Wanda watching Malcolm in the middle. That was pretty fucking great. Mm-hmm. Especially because of the fact, like, Vision's asking questions. He's like, oh, is it funny because he's severely injured? And she's like, he's not, it's a sitcom. He's not actually injured. Well, I think everyone, too, was saying, like, and even up to that point, I was thinking... The series isn't going to have a happy ending. Vision, like, is there's no coming back. I didn't suspect they were going to do White Vision and give him back the memories in the aspect. I was like, Vision's going to die, the kids are going to die, or be gone, blah, 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 that stuff. Yeah. But then when that scene happened, and she's like, yeah, but it's a sitcom, and it always has a happy ending. And I was like, Vision's alive at the end of the scene. There's, there's no way around it. Vision's going to survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vision's going to survive, and in some capacity, Tommy and Billy are going to survive, too. Well, I knew they were going to come back, because mm-hmm. Disney likes that money, and what's going to get money other than the Young Avengers? Yeah. True. But yeah, uh, Vision, like, the, the whole conversation, too, like, the whole, uh, what is grief but, like, love, love perseverance, it's like, oh, man, it's gonna get a little tear in here. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part was near the end, where, uh, Vision reawakens Darcy Lewis after she was dragged into the hex, <laughs> and they're trying to make their way back into the city, but Wanda just keeps subconsciously doing everything in her power to keep Vision from getting back, so they're just driving down the road, red light after red light. Red light finally turns green. They start driving, and then like construction the, pulls out. Construction pulls out to fix the one light, <laughs> and then the kids, and then the kids, the unending line of kids parading across. This is where the kids that have been hiding in their closets now are is walking in a circle around the town. And to then, <laughs> and then during this whole segment or this whole episode is just all the cuts to the different characters, kind of interviews of the characters. Yeah, it's kind of doing like Arrested Development yeah. Modern Family. Yeah, yeah single camera. And then it cuts to Vision just sitting on a chair beside the van, and he's talking, he's like, why am I sitting, why am I driving? I can fly. And then he just yeah. flies off. Yeah, which uh, brings up an interesting thing, because with those types of shows, I always assumed it was just, you know, the subcon Like, they weren't actually talking to a camera, it was just we're getting their thoughts yeah. in, like, mm-hmm. a different format. And that's literally what was happening here, because he's not outside the van when he takes things out and flies off. He's in the van still. Yeah. yeah. And, but, like, also kind of it is actually happening because of the fact that in the Agatha all along scene, we get to see Agatha literally fucking with uh, Wanda while she's doing one of those talking to camera moments. Which, uh, another fun fact here, actually, um, the, when the person says, are you sure you're not, like, feel like you do deserve this? That's actually just Catherine Hahn's voice pitched, uh, corrected to be deeper. Yeah. I believe that, yeah. And Wanda's just like, you're not supposed to talk. Well, actually, uh, that reminds me of something I forgot to mention, which uh, I guess we're going back into a bit of uh, fun stuff here. So I, I mentioned already that due to COVID, uh, a few of the things kind of had to get scrapped or changed. So, for example, Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy just kind of feel like they disappear at the end. That's because their scenes weren't able to be reshot. And you might just notice some of the graphical stuff, especially the end Wanda fight, didn't look as good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's because they couldn't get all the proper CG and all that done. But uh, there was one thing that was mentioned that was supposed to be in the series that they filmed, but were never able to finish. They cut it, which I'm kind of sad. And it's a scene explaining how Wanda gets the Darkhold. Have you heard about this? I have not. No. So the scene was supposed to be, and uh, the director said afterwards, like, it's probably good that this didn't show up in it, because with how mad people were going about Mephisto, this would have just made it worse. 
Oh. But it was the kids, uh, before they go to uh, help Wanda in the town square, they saw the Darkhold when they were in the basement. So it's like, we gotta go get that because that's where she's getting her power. So it's them sneaking into the basement, creeping around, trying to get caught. And then they get to the Darkhold. And just able to reach for it, the rabbit lands in front of them. They're like, oh, it's Scratchy! And they go to pet him, he hisses at them. It's like, oh, whatever. And they grab the book and go to leave. And But as they do, the rabbit transforms into a demon. <laughs> and then it's their fight scene against the rabbit in the, ba- in the basement while they're trying to get out. Yeah, uh, it's a shame it didn't happen. Probably for the best, though. Yeah. This is like We filmed everything. We didn't get to finish the CGI on it. It had to cut because of time restraints. Because we weren't able to get everything done we needed. So we need to focus on specifically the required scenes, as that wasn't really important, is they still get the payoff of having the dark hold because she reads it at the end. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, if they would have thrown a demon in that one, it's like, it's a Mephisto! <laughs> when it's like, well, it's just a familiar. It's a witch's familiar. It's yeah. demonic. Witches are able to summon demons. That's a thing that happens. It does, like, I know you've been trying to find Mephisto all along, and now we see a demon, and uh, your temptation is to say that's Mephisto. But if it was, it's not getting dunked on by two kids who have been alive for like a week at most. <laughs> and that's actually another fun question. Uh, at the end, when she talks to the men and says goodbye, she's like, thank you for choosing me to be your mother. Do you think anything interesting is going to happen about that? If they come back when she's all crazy, she's like, we don't want you as our mother anymore. And then she snaps <laughs> out of it. I want to be that guy's hands. <laughs> Mommy! She's like, yes, and it's just Mephisto wearing hand puppets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how there would be payoff to that. It's entirely possible there will be, and I just don't see it, but I don't know how they would have a proper payoff to that line. Uh, at the moment, I think it's more just one last tug on the heartstrings before they go. Well, yeah, it's a tug on the heartstrings, uh, but I think also Marvel's been very good at setting things up that they don't plan on using, but they can go back to later oh, yeah. if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so with that, that kind of covers, I think, everything WandaVision that we wanted to go over. Uh, do you guys have any recommendations? Uh, I guess I can go first as well, just because I was the one who covered the topic mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I wanted to suggest was something I kept thinking about while watching WandaVision that I actually went and watched it afterwards, and that's Pleasantville. <laughs> That is actually a good one where it's kind of playing on TV tropes and has characters. Yep, it's the whole thing. Yeah, I, it's that's a, a brother and a sister fighting over a TV uh, when a marathon for the show Pleasantville is about to start. And then, for some reason, magical cable repairman shows up just as they break the remote. Gives them a new remote that when they turn the TV on, they get sucked into the TV world of Pleasantville. It has a lot of very significant racial undertones because there's colored people and non-colored people because the show's filmed in black and white. And the kids who get sucked in aren't in black and white. Interesting. It's definitely worth the watch. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I guess in the sitcom level of things, uh, Elijah Wood is the main character of it, and the mother is the mother from Oakland in the Middle. Fantastic. What's your recommendation, Matt? I'm going to recommend the old show Bewitched. Ooh, good one. Ooh. Yes, because uh, the first episode of WandaVision gave me mad Bewitched vibes of just a couple. Like, because in Bewitched, there's... The typical man, and then Sabrina, the witch, is the wife, and they're just trying to live a normal life, just fitting in with their regular, everyday, normal neighbors. And of course, there's magical hijinks because Sabrina's a witch and all that. Yep. Uh, and I personally am going to recommend actually the Secret Wars comic book arc, <laughs> uh, just so that you can prepare yourself for all the wacky shit that Marvel will inevitably dumb down before they ever even consider putting it into the MCU. It's really good. I enjoy it. Cool. 
I might lend it to you. I have a copy of, like, the anthology one. So you can read it and be truly prepared for what's coming, Matt. <laughs> or what's not actually coming, Matt. What well, may be coming. Who knows? In some regard. What are we going to be doing next week? Well, isn't next week or... Or not next week, but in a fortnight, because we don't release this on a weekly basis, Matthew. What are we doing uh, isn't it our, two weeks uh, from now? 151st episode? Hundred and fifty? What about hundred and fifty one? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's our this is we've released hundred and fifty one episodes. I don't think that's how that works. It it's gotta be close. Guys, you gotta tune in and catch all of our episodes. Too bad. I'm just gonna count it as a write you off.